Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutie Pack Talks. This is your host, Owl Rare. And for today's podcast, I'll be interviewing with Rebecca Keel from Richmond. Uh, Rebecca identifies as a black freedom fighter with albinism um, and a big heart for social change. They're 28 years old, living and working in the home state of Virginia. Right now, they are the Virginia statewide rep for Southerners on New Ground, also known as SONG. However, they've been a member of the organization for the last 10 years. They practice yoga, and they also explore the psychedelic realm. And political operative is kind of like, just they just kind of mix all that into one. So, Rebecca, can, how are you doing? Tell us some more about you in your own words and how you're feeling today. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm living and working in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I I do a lot of social movement work, and it's really my life's passion and what is shaping up to be my life's work. And so with that, it's a lot of stress. <laughs> and the work I do is really involved with some um, sad realities of the world, you know, and so I'm always trying to find a balance. And I say, like, trying to find a balance, like, I don't have it. Um, I think it's all just going to be a journey. But to, you know, be able to face this work of social movement and social change um, while keeping my mental health together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important to stay mentally sound. And yeah, for season two, we're talking about kind of that. How do we balance, you know, the work and the love that we do um, with, you know, the feelings that we have or that may be connected to that? Um, and so, do you identify as an artist? Um, Rebecca, would you more so identify, like, how do you, how would you identify yourself? Well, I'm an artist who doesn't practice their art. Let's put it like that. So, <laughs> my art is on the back burner. Um, but I'm, I'm an organizer, like, through and through. And even when I'm not, like, on the clock, I, I'll, I find myself talking about um, social movements. I find myself talking about politics, political theory, different tactics, like different freedom fighters. So I'm just like always on in that way. But I was like this before I even was like working in social movements. Remember when I was a teenager, I was like, y'all heard about the Black Panthers? Y'all know who Huey Newton is? Like, so <laughs> that's just been my MO for a minute. So I would say, yeah, through and through, I'm an, I'm an organizer. That's awesome. Yeah, there's definitely an art to organizing. Would you say that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We call it the alchemy of organizing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really a balance to be struck around, you know, maintaining social connections that are growth-oriented and focused on movement work. But then also, like, I like to have relationships outside of movement work, too, where I'm not constantly talking about the ills of the world. Um, you know, don't always do a great job of that. <laughs> the majority of my interactions are about you know, movement work, but, um, you know, I try to stay grounded in lighter things, the more, you know, uh, life-giving things. That's awesome. I think you cut out for a little bit there, but we caught on to, like, the last part, the life-giving things. Um, so I wanted to touch base more on, um, what you're saying, just about, like, the work that you're doing, and I want to know, like, how, how do you balance out, like, I guess, like, a lot of that stress or the, you know, the weight of the world, like, especially identifying as, you know, or being even just a person of color, um, and, you know, we already have a lot of traumas and, you know, things within ourselves, so how do you balance out, you know, that stuff with the work that you do now? Mm. I I had an interesting childhood, and I'll share a little bit about that to get you to where I am now. But so like you mentioned, um, I have albinism, um, or I am albino, a person with albinism, and, you know, all of the ways to describe it is fine. But that means essentially that I lack pigment in my hair, skin, and eyes. Um, people, if they saw me on the street, first thought is that I'm, like, Swedish or just, like, a white American. Um, but in actuality, I'm black. And so, you know, I grew up with a mom 
and siblings who were very, um, very just wanted me to do well and wanted me to have a balance and knowing that, you know, I look different from my family and my community and also, if you were missed if I didn't say, with albinism, I have a visual impairment. Most people who are albino have low vision or are deemed legally blind, of which I do have that designation. And so I grew up with, in a household that was very strength-based, mm-hmm. you know, pulling in some, like, social work terminology. I'm also a social worker. Um and so, you know, with that understanding that, like, okay, there's, I have some limitations in this world. Like, I, I can't see that well. Um, and I knew that I would just be different, you know, no matter the room I am. If it's a room full of black folks, a room full of white folks, a room full of, you know, whoever, racially, ethnically, culturally, but chances are I'd be the, the, the different one, um, visually anyway. And so... You know, I just hold that understanding and I hold that, like, you know, there's just, I, I have a way of doing things differently and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So in that way of like, I can do things differently, I've just gotten a lot of permission to do things my own way throughout my life. And I think the way that that carries into my organizing work is like, I really just go until my heart's content or literally I can't keep my eyes open anymore because I'm sending so many emails or I'm just talking until my voice is hoarse or whatever. And like I said earlier, you know, I'm trying to strike the balance, not always landing it well, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I really do, you know, go at my own pace and, you know, take my own breaks. And I'm thankful to have a job that I can really make it the way I need it to be. And I can accommodate myself the way I need to have my accommodations. Yeah, I think that it's very important. And thank you so much for, you know, sharing all of that with us. Um, just because it's like very like, you know, deep and emotional stuff right there. And also I didn't even know um, that fact just about, you know, albinism and also um, the visual impairment that comes with that. So yeah, let me let me stop you real quick, Al, because I'm not gonna have you slipping up in um, the podcast world. It's pronounced albinism. Albinism, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying alb albinism, albinism. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you got it, you got it. No, thank you, albinism. Cool. Sorry about that. So um, okay. No, I appreciate. It. I always appreciate folks, you know, letting me know and checking up, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's important. But um, so. With the work that you're doing um, and, you know, just being, just having that strength base, um, how has that influenced um, any changes in the in the world that you've made? And um, what changes have you made just with song and enrichment that you'd like to share? Oh, gosh. Um, that's an interesting question. I think like most people do, you know, you have your way of doing things and then like you project it onto someone else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm like, I go at my own pace. I really want everyone to go at their own pace. I see my strengths. And as a social worker, I'm take a very strength based approach to people and situations. I'm really like the job of an organizer is is socializing. It's building relationships, funneling that into the work of um, changing the conditions in your community, in your environment, in your state, in your nation, wherever. Um, And so I'm really like, I like to see other people's strengths, you know, um, and work with that. Mm -hmm. And also find the areas that people want to grow and work with that. And so, you know, anytime I'm meeting someone, I really like to ask them and, you know, people like, really get shy and embarrassed about gassing themselves up, but I love it. I will be like everyone's height. I'm a community hype, you know? Um, <laughs> and so, you know, whatever someone has going on, even if it's just a really great smile, I'm going to let you know, and I'm going to like gas you up so you can feel like confident to then go and do like whatever, actualize your potential, um, make a change in your community, like influence a budget or get on a board or like, start an organization or join an organization and, and be your authentic self within that. And mm-hmm. so when our authentic selves are praised um, and, you know, we, that's seen as a strength and that's how it influences my work. And so 
you know, back in 2013, 2014 in Richmond, there was a fight to get a um, minor league baseball stadium from being built on top of an African burial ground. Mm. And um, for folks outside of Richmond who may not know the history, she's for folks in Richmond who may not know the history because this city hates telling its story. Mm -hmm. Um, Richmond was the second largest port of enslaved Africans being traded. It was second to New Orleans in that realm. And if you walk around Richmond's downtown where all this was happening um, uh, like a century ago, centuries ago, there's no like markers. There's no indications of it. So the history of the, again, the wow. city does a bad job of telling its own story. But so there was a fight to stop a minor league baseball stadium from being put in this very historic site that is in the process of like um, black historical reclamation. And so um, in song, we were unapologetically queer people against the baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. We were like, we know what it's like to have our history erased. We know that there are black queer people living today that can trace their roots back to Richmond, back to Shafco Bottom. And we just went with like the, the intersections of it all. And we won that fight today. There is no baseball stadium in Shafco Bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, like, one of the defining moments of my, like, dive into social movement work and liberation work, being that you can win a fight really, truly just being yourself and authentically who you are. Um, we were out there with our signs, like, queer people against the stadium, gays against the stadium, lesbians <laughs> against the stadium, yes. trans folks against the stadium. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, and just putting it, putting who you are out there, which can be vulnerable, which mm -hmm. can be scary, of course. Um, but when you have your people doing it with you, that that is powerful. Yeah, having support is super important, and I'm so glad that you were supported, and you know, and that you, I feel that you've been supported, you know, throughout just this journey of self discovery and you know making all these radical changes it it takes a lot of support to you know hold and you hold a lot of space for folks you know so yeah. thank you for all that I, you do thank you thank you for acknowledging that yeah um it's not it's definitely not easy work to do um and um just having having a support system i think is super important like even for me like when i lived at earth folk or when i've lived or just like the friends that i've met on the journey for me really have been like my strong support system having having a connection with my mother you know and even though like we can't really live together you know just having that one connection that's been like part of my support system so like it might be like a different web of a support system but still having that support system has helped you know me to be able to do things that that makes that can offer change and love and growth in other people's lives whether it's through mm -hmm. yoga or through you know holding space and yeah if we don't hold enough space for ourselves then we can't really hold space for other people mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, I, on the uh, tip of support networks, I'm really thankful for my friends, you know, not just people I, I know through organizing, not just my comrades, my political comrades, but truly my friends who, like, have seen me grow, who know me, who know the, like, silly shit that I giggle at, you know, <laughs> they know what kind of memes I like, or, you know, people who just, like, for instance, I, um, I'm having a really hard time cooking right now. I um, was like housed, but unstably for the past about year and a year or so. And um, I finally have like a great living situation right now. Um, and I just, in that year of un like of weird housing um, and moving around so much and also getting evicted and all these things and just losing touch with a kitchen and now with COVID-19 I like don't even go to the grocery store for myself um and so I felt really disconnected from food and I'm like trying to get my like cooking back and I, I really like forgot how to cook which I'm embarrassed to admit but mm. it is what it is I think trauma can do a lot to one's brain I think my brain was just trimming like you know me these recipes <laughs> and so I've really forgotten a lot of my like kitchen skills and it's hard because I did I considered myself a good cook 
But, you know, I, I reached out to a friend yesterday, and I was actually really sad about it because um, I also have, like, a lack of motivation to, you know, go for it because I'm, I'm a little depressed right now. And so she was like, look, child, you are a good cook. You have been a good cook. You know, just put in some headphones and just, like, mess around in the kitchen until you whip up something. It might not even be good, but at least you're, like, trying and practicing. And, you know, she really just reminded me of, like, who I am and the potential I have and gave me some good tips on, like, blocking out distractions and everything. And so, you know, I just shout out to Jeanette. I appreciate her. Um, and this the ability to, like, yeah, because I put so much out there. And I'm gassing up so many people. I really, like I said, I'm the community cheerleader, community hype man. Um, and, you know, I forget to do that for myself sometimes. And so it is good to have folks who who, who got my back and who are rubbing my shoulders. And, yeah, it, it's so important to have, yeah, like we were saying, just having that support group even and like with cooking i want to chime in with your with cooking really fast too before i go into the support groups i think that mm-hmm. a lot of it for me is just like um just having like that the, the passion you know and the passion i think for me just comes from kind of i've been studying food a lot and just studying like the energy of food so if it works for you maybe going back to like the roots of like you know, what happens when I cook my food versus someone else and, like, the energy that I'm putting into the food and, like, also what kind of food does my body want today or, like... And, like, mm-hmm. there's there's um, some books, too, that I could recommend to you um, post-podcast um, that, you know, definitely could be some great things to check out. Um, but even on the podcast, Healing with Whole Foods, um, it is by, I believe, Paul Pitchford. And that is just a great book just to kind of like jump you into it has a lot of like science but there are a lot of like fun recipes there's a lot of like fun knowledge um so many different disorders and things like depression there's like different diets and foods to like combat depression so like when I realized that like food was healing for me and like when I think about that it helps me and motivates me like okay I'm in the kitchen like I'm gonna make something that's gonna help me not feel depressed let me get a rainbow in my food let me get some yellow some red so, like, cooking like that for me, like, making it, like, more of a art project or, like, a, an art project combined with, like, a healing ceremony helps me a lot. So, I, I hope that some of that can rub off or help you in the journey of getting back into the kitchen because it's such an important... Thank you. Yeah. It's yeah, I'm going to start thinking about food and color more because I have definitely, like I said, my mind is just kind of a blank slate about it right now. And so thank you. And I also wrote down healing with whole food. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, you know what? I am not waiting post-podcast. Everyone needs to hear this. Like... <laughs> Everybody know. <laughs> but that is a great book. Like, I have been healing my own body just by utilizing food you know and just utilizing yoga also like come combining that with western when i need to but mostly you know trying to stick that route for when things like this happens where like it's hard to get a doctor's appointment or it's hard to go see Mm -hmm. a dentist or you know certain things that we that we that were luxuries before or not were luxuries but things that were um you know necessities before have now become luxuries um mm-hmm. and so it's yeah it's it's very it was so fast we didn't even have time to prepare it was just like we woke up one morning and they're like all right yo everything's closed like sorry sorry like no <laughs> and, you know, no time we had no time to meditate nothing we were just like oh we kind of saw it happening though, but like, what did we, you know, what could we, what could we do? <laughs> mm-hmm. What could we do? Mm-hmm. So, again, I appreciate the work that you're doing and the voice that you are putting out there. Um, and, you know, I personally want to work to do more work like um, what you do, but it's hard for me. I don't know why. Like, it's just, it's so, it drains me in like a way that I personally don't understand yet. And so I do it, um, I do it when I can, like I'll jump, I'll jump into like a rally with people. And then I kind of like live a lifestyle and kind of like share that with people. Like, okay, this is a lifestyle that I want to promote. 
And that's kind of yes, like yes. my way of activism because not, I don't think everyone that is, to, that is such a great contribution to movement work though. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just excited that, <laughs> like that no. is, you know, there's a million ways to be in social movement. You just got to get in where you fit in, you know, yeah. really, truly. And so, but you know, just being a, um, a model for help for like black folks, indigenous folks, queer folks, trans folks, I think, like, and not even in, like, a self-righteous way, like, oh, yes, I am the, you know, <laughs> the <laughs> pinnacle of good mental health and good dieting <laughs> and doing my asanas every day. Like, it's not that, but, you know, the way I perceive you and how I've seen you show up in spaces is as, um, as a modeler and as an educator, too, and so I think that that is part and parcel to social movement work. Thank you. Thank you for seeing that. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been, um, it's definitely been a journey of, like, I've been, like, oh, like, I'm not out there. Like, even when, um, when, when I was living in Richmond, and I don't remember exactly what was happening because, like, trauma and me and my brain, I just kind of, like, blank. But I believe this was, um, there was, there was this, during, like, the marches that were happening, um, with the folks that were coming in from Charlottesville, um, and mm. they were coming in from Charlottesville, and I believe it was just, like, a whole bunch of white folks, you know, and they're out there, and they're protesting, and, you know, they're, I think it was for the statues, that was it, there we go, I was like, what, what thing was it, it was something, it was those statues, <laughs> I was like, I need to get it right, it was those statues, and, I, I remember, like, a woman died from that, you know? There was just so much yeah. that happened, and yeah. I wanted to go down there, and my friends were like, we're all going out and protesting, and I was like, I'm going to go up to Church Hill. I'm going to sit up in Church Hill, and I'm going to teach my yoga class to whoever comes, and I'm going to promote peace during this. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, that, that, was my, that was my work, you know? And... It felt, I could still, I don't know, I'm very, like, sensitive. Like, even when this whole coronavirus thing happened, like, I had TMJ lockjaw for, like, all of April. Like, I was just, I feel like I was just feeling, like, a lot of the stress. I was reading the news, like, every second. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was taking in too much. So, you know. Yeah, the news enough will lock your jaw and keep it closed. Yes. When I went to the dentist, they were like, why are you worrying about the world? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm an empath. And they're like, well, you need to unlearn <laughs> some of that. <laughs> you need to unempath? I was like, I thought really about <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> that. <laughs> like, how am I, I going to I feel that. <laughs> uh. I'm, I, too, am an empath. And I wish I could turn it off more. <laughs> but I think, like, part of my... Um, work to combat my depression is to really be selective about the type of media that I bring into my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really selective about the TV I watch, the music I listen to, um, because, you know, with my job, I'm just, I'm socializing so much and there's so much unexpected stuff. So, you know, I really have like no control. I mean, I'm, I'm t- I literally talk to everyone who will talk to me. And so <laughs> even people be saying wild stuff. So, you know, or do a lot ever, you know, um, or sometimes just disappointed by people and it just is what it is. But I think like the things that can't control that come into my mind, I really got a tight lock on that because I am such a big empath, even through a freaking TV screen, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I really try to, like, hone in on, all right, what am I what am I putting into my brain? Quite honestly, I watch a lot of stand-up comedy. A uh... lot. You know? Because it just makes me laugh. Like, and if <laughs> I find myself laughing a lot, then I'm smiling more, and then I'm, like, just, you know... I just feel better. I do. I do. It doesn't always like last all day, but I, you know, if I can just get some laughs and some giggles in some of that, like more bubbly energy, then I feel like it's, it, it definitely helps. Yes. I love that because, um, there is rest for resistance, but there's also like laughter and joy for resistance too. And, um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, just, just doing things that make us smile and laugh. And, you know, I think with my, with my, um, TMJ symptoms, I also realized like, oh wait, 
when I frown, like, it causes, like, more of, like, a lockjaw. So, like, maybe, like, I need to smile oh. more, like, before I, like... So I did smile exercises um, where, <laughs> you know, I would check in with myself during the day, like, hey, like, like my like my jaw would hurt or whatever. And I'd be like, hey, like, what's what's what, what's going on with, like, my face? And then i think about it and I'm like, I'm frowning because my face hurts. I'm like, well, maybe smile. So I would smile and, like, it wouldn't hurt as much. It would still, like, hurt a bit, but, like, the pain would kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, I started to feel even, like, even though at first, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, faking the smile a bit, but then, like, over time, like, you know, like, you're just like, all right, like, I have a reason to smile right now. Like, you so said, just, like, think mm-hmm. about the reasons why it feels good to smile, and then, and I can't say this will happen for everyone the first time you try it, but, like, you know, I also have a mindfulness practice, so that helps out a lot, but, you know, just that kind of just tap back in, and I'm just like, boop, like, okay, I'm feeling good, and, you know, like, I think I can make it through the rest of the day. But um, also, what I'm learning, too, with healing is that it's nonlinear, you know? If you eat something something sweet, you know, it's going to start hurting again. Or, you know, sometimes, like, you got to eat something sweet because you're feeling sad. And, you know, it's it's okay Mm -hmm. to go back. It's okay to take a few steps back. But just... Just, you know, keep your eye on the prize and just, I guess, right? Keep your eye on the prize, whatever that is. I think just keep working, right? Just keep working towards it, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I yeah, keep- and I think, you know, I, I am very quite settled by the fact that everything changes. I'm like one of those Octavia Butler heads where I'm like, God has changed. Everything has changed. And that's the only constant, you know? And for some reason, that, like, really comforts me in knowing that, like, my mood is always going to change. Like I'm always susceptible to some kind of shift. And so I don't think there's any like upward motion of like my mental health getting like amazingly better or like getting to a point where I have like no childhood trauma or, you know, like all of that. Um, But I'm just like really cozy in the like changing waters of everything. So as people ask me, it's, you know, humans do, how you doing? Which I think is a rude question to ask right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But my response usually is I'm riding the waves, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm riding them. So try not to drown. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. uh, I I apologize. I probably did ask you how you're doing just from habit. And I probably just said, yeah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's hard to do a podcast during a pandemic because I'm like, should I start each episode off sad or should we eventually get into it? (laughs) So I appreciate your patience and we did kind of, before we started recording, we had a little powwow. So that was a nice icebreaker. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, just get touching, just getting back into our conversation of, yeah, just, we need to realize again that healing is nonlinear and what that really means. And yeah, we're not going to heal all of our trauma, mm-hmm. probably not in this lifetime, you know, and that's fine, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like some of the poses I love when I take a yoga class and I've been learning that I like the yoga teachers more now that are like more, they're just chilling, you know, they're not like serious. They're just chilling. They're like, hey, like, I'm going to throw in a little joke here. I'm going to bring in some laughter, like we were talking about, because mm-hmm. I can be such a serious, I have a Capricorn rising, so she comes out sometimes, and, like, I can be very serious, I can be very cool. You can be the mountain. hmm And so, like, that's great, too, but, like, at times I need that, I need that softness. I need to be a cloud. I need to be, like, free-flowing and, you know smiling or whatever (laughs) it's just a good balance to have in your flowing practice to just smile and I I didn't realize how much I didn't smile like you know sometimes during yoga like just making like healing doesn't have to be all tears and sadness you know there can be you know a form of healing where you're experiencing joy you know you're experiencing Mm -hmm. pleasure you're experiencing you know all of these different things and it's so hard to, to experience even pleasure right now, unfortunately, due to all of what's going on. But for folks that, you know, have, you know, a partner with them or folks that have a self-pleasure practice, even that is like a...
form of activism, I believe, you know, just pleasuring yourself and being okay with it and loving yourself and, you know, giving yourself that love and, um, yeah, all that, all that good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I really dig what you said about, like, it's not, it doesn't always have to be this, um, huge, like, tear-provoking, sad process when you're, like, actively engaging in your own healing, um, there's something I wanted to bring up that I don't usually normally publicly talk about, but at this point in my life, I'm like, this is something that quite honestly, a lot more people of color, um, black folks, queer and trans folks need to know about is the power of psychedelic medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's do it. So <laughs> I'll say that one of the most healing experiences I have ever had to really work through my sexual trauma Mm-hmm. was around um I used a small bit of MDMA Molly um and you know it's a stimulant it's like a very euphoria feeling substance um it can be thought of like as a empathogen or um a even better word I like using is an entheogen um the god within um but anyhow it's just like a it's the love drug right y'all have to find dopamine and it feels really good um and so i was by myself in my bedroom and i wrote out a list of everyone i had ever slept with you know been in a romantic situation with and i just like even if like the sex was mediocre or we never even slept together or you know, I even thought about, this is not sex, but I even thought about, um, you know, trigger warning, content warning. Uh, but I thought about um, when I was raped when I was a child, and I thought about every experience basically around my, like, genitals and then around my, like, emotionality, around, like, relationships and romance and all that. Mm-hmm. And what, why I decided to do that when I was on a substance that like pretty much induces love is that I can look back on those experiences with so much love toward myself, mm-hmm. toward those who showed me love, you know, it just really opened my heart up so much to being really grateful or to telling myself that my, um, my childhood sexual trauma was not my fault. And I actually, you know, said that to myself when I was able to touch that in a way that in my normal sober brain, I can't even say those thoughts. Like, I, I just don't have time to, like, go there because when I go there, I'm going to get stuck there mm. in a really sad, dark place. And so I had this experience um, of, like, thinking through all these, you know, times in my life when I was, like, 23, 22, 23. And, you know, I'm not saying that I've, like, again, healed all my, like, childhood sexual trauma, but um, I have, I can think about it now with so much more ease, and instead of running from the thought immediately, I can say, like, hey, you were a child, that wasn't your fault, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a so, so much of a, it's a di- very different space than I was in when I was 18, you know, when I was, like, lashing out at, about this, so... I really, you know, and that's Molly. And there's a whole, a whole world of psychedelic drugs out there that have different effects and, mm-hmm. you know, can be used in different therapeutic or recreational ways. But for ones who want to dig into the therapeutic side of it, um, there's like so many, you know, it's so many good resources out there now that weren't available like 10 years ago, much less 20 years ago, you know, and like granted these substances are still illegal. Mm-hmm. Um Wonder why. In many ways. <laughs> right, right. Because they would actually change the world. <laughs> um, we don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I will say that it wasn't until, you know, I, I, a lot of this research about psychedelics is being done by white people. And yeah. so that's like a little jarring. You're like a person of color, especially queer people, trans folks, non-binary folks. Um, when it comes from such a normative or like societally normative place that, um, you know, it can be really, like, off-putting. Like, I don't want to try that. That's some, like, you know, bougie shit, or that's some white people shit, or that's some, like, cis people shit. Like, you know, the things. Mm-hmm. And so um, with Molly, it wasn't until I knew other queer people doing it, and then with my most recent 
um, psychedelic usage. I take a microdose of psilocybin mushrooms um, mm. in the morning. So every three every three days in the morning, it's like a very very small dose. I'm not by any means tripping, but um, what the psilocybin does is it really helps just raise your baseline mood. Like it doesn't make me any more happy go lucky. It doesn't stop me from being sad, but it helps me just maintain a baseline. And so when it comes to my depression, I'm like, I'm stable, you know, I don't get so stuck so easily. Mm. But, you know, I read about microdosing for a minute. I'm like, I follow the multidisciplinary <laughs> association of psychedelic studies and horizons. And I've been to conferences and da da da, but it's so, you know, white, so cis, so straight, so middle-class. Honestly, like, not even middle class. It's very bougie as fuck. Um, excuse my language. But, you know, it wasn't until an indigenous woman really sat me down and was like, you got to get a grip on your depression. Here's what me and my people recommend. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. It's not just the white boys doing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I've been doing it now for about three months. And I really have not felt so in control of my depression as I have before. And so wow. on that, on that basis, on that anecdote, I, I would recommend it to folks to try out. And sometimes it takes someone who's like you to try it for you to feel comfortable with it. So I hope that anyone's listening who is like queer, who has albinism, who's non-binary, who's Southern, who's, you know, all the things to give it, um, give it a little more, tr- a little more uh, study and research. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing all of that because, yeah, I've never done a drug in my life. (laughs) 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 I think that, um, oh my goodness, I'm like, where do I even start? Yes, like, this is, this is the conversation I've yet to have on the podcast, and this is like, I don't even know, this is almost like the 20th episode, and I'm like, wow, out of 20 people, we might have talked a little bit about, like... Maybe some marijuana, but, like, psychedelics hasn't really come up. And, you know, psychedelics have been such a big part of my own healing journey and a part of... And it's still, and they still are a part of my journey. Um, and, you know, for me, I was introduced to psychedelics through white folks. Um, it was in college, you know, and, you know, I had the circle of friends, whatever. We hung out, and we kind of, like, became very... I don't even know how to explain it. We just kind of became, like our own little, like, crew of people that would hang out and, like, do our drugs together, get weed together. We, like, took care of each other in, like, this way. But for me, like, I didn't realize for a bit, because I grew up surrounded by white folks, you know, my my mother married a white man, and, like, they were together since I was, like, six. So, like, I kind of didn't have an understanding of how much I needed more black men in particular, like, in my life, um, just to, like, not let what society and what I saw, you know, from my own father kind of make me feel that all black men are this way, and that I also was, like, not loving myself in that, you know, like, I was not seeing myself for who I was, I was not letting my hair be as natural as it could be, etc., you know, all these things, psychedelics helped me jump back and connect back to you and it was like yeah. it, those 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 people eventually shed away you know like it, it took years and like there were so many things that happened you know one of the people actually like hit me in the head with a blender when i was making my my cocoa butters that i make and I, i'm still making those cocoa butters to this day yeah and like i'm still doing these things and um it's just been life has been really crazy but psychedelics have like definitely saved my life just because teaching i've learned i learned how to breathe i remembered my breath this one time when Mm -hmm. me and a friend we took some we took some acid at a show and like they were freaking out and i don't recommend this at all but we had to leave the show or whatever and they were still tripping balls and we had to drive and the whole time you know they were having a very very bad trip and i was just like okay like i don't know what happened like i don't even know how i connected to this but a thought just came into my mind and this is like a part of your mindfulness practice. Like when your mind can become empty for a bit longer. So those all those thoughts are coming in. Like you can you can kind of control sometimes all those thoughts that are coming in for a bit when you connect to your breath. And so something just connected to me. And I think I probably just connected to my breath, to be honest. And then it was just like, hey, just take a deep breath in. And so I did that. And after I exhaled, like everything just felt like simpler. And like 
my friend freaking out just didn't matter for a moment. And then, like, he kind of connected to that, I don't even know how to explain it, but, like, the energy of just calm, of, like, just being calm, he connected to that. And we were able to, like, not, you know, be driving, tripping balls and being, like, frustrated and crazy, but, like, okay, we're tripping and he's going to be a little bit more focused and we're going to get wherever the hell we need to get so we can get out of the car. And, like, I don't ever recommend people driving, but... You know, we were young, we were going to a concert, whatever, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. Just, like, just be careful. Um, I definitely have recently um, explored with DMT. Um, I, oh, yes. Yeah. The world's most powerful psychedelic that definitely <laughs> will have you talking to your ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely... You know, for me, I think that I was just so tired when I took it. And, like, um, you know, there was a, me and my partner had, like, just gone through, like, this weird, like, roller coaster of emotions together. And I had another friend here. So there's a lot of, like, things going on for me. So I mostly just, I mostly just kind of, like, faded out. Like, I just remember, like, the nice feeling of, like, leaving my body. Like, my, all of the stress in my body left. That's all. I, I remember that draining. Ooh. It's just like all of all the weight, all the stress in my shoulder just kind of drained out, and I felt like I just felt like held and safe and like okay as long as I connected to my oh. breath. But there were so many visuals. There was so much. Everything was going too fast. I think it was too fast for me to process. Like I don't even know how to explain it. it we're just like Psh! oh yeah. I mean, explaining any psychedelic stuff <laughs> is really difficult to do, but much less one that. To last for like ten minutes, but feels like twelve hours. You know, oh <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot like, that happens. I was like, "Is this going to end?" I opened my eyes and like I was in my bedroom. And I was laying on my partner, but like it was weird because we both were saying to each other like. Like, I couldn't feel anything else but just, like, you. And I was like, whoa, that's how I felt. Because he took his, like, after me. And, like, um, you know, you basically just, like, put it in the bong or whatever. And you, like, smoke it with marijuana or whatever you have, it like, with you. And, like, yeah, it was just, like, I, I, I never even thought I was going to do it, to be honest. I was, I've been, like, so, like, I've just been, like, I don't know if I need that. Like, I want to be around, like, someone trained. You know, I want to be, like... Surrounded, and to be honest, I just didn't want to be around those white folks that you know I was around back then. Yeah, and like, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't be around like your people. You yeah. do, you do. But like back, and then, it sounds like y'all may have once had a good connection, and you know it temp- tempered out and everything. But it is what it is. But now it sounds like you got you got your people. Yeah, it just feels. Yeah, I I moved to you know that was in Providence, Rhode Island. And that was before I realized, like, the need for me to just be around more black and brown folks. And so, like, I moved to, you know, Richmond, and I loved Richmond, and I still love Richmond. Um, But I also, what I'm seeing in Richmond, too, is that there's a lot of white folks coming in, you know, and taking up a lot of space. And there's also white folks that have been there that are continuing to just take up space. Um, And even up here, no matter where you go, really, in any city. And so just kind of seeing that... You know, and seeing that, but then also realizing that, hey, like, there's there's a lot of community, like, in the cities, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of black and brown people in the cities that, like, understand, you know, a lot of the things that I'm going through. So, like, a lot of conversations I'd be having with people, like, they didn't understand me, or, like, you know, there were a lot of racist things that would be happening right in front of me that I didn't even understand were happening, because I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just fine, like, these are my friends, this is, these are, like, no, that shit was not okay, that shit was toxic, and, like, you know, it took a lot of just my own, just, like, looking at my own self, and, like, you know, realizing who, who we are, and, like, how beautiful, being, like, we are beautiful people, and we have so many beautiful things to offer the world. We don't need to change anything about ourselves unless we want to make those changes, you know, um, within ourselves. But I don't mm-hmm. think anything on the outside needs to change. Like, let your hair grow. Do what you need to do. Let your locks grow free form if you want to. Like, whatever. Do what you need to do to express and be your truest self. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that we both are kind of in that realm of just understanding, like, yeah, like, black folks need to take up space in the psychedelic yeah. realm, and we need to just take up space, period. And so, yeah, I would love there to was, see... Um, 
Oh, last year, real quick, last mm-hmm. year there was like a mini conference in DC about like people of color and psychedelics. I didn't get the opportunity to go to it. Um, that sounds amazing. That was a, another conference on psychedelics, lol. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> which I kind of regret, honestly, but you know, it is what it is. But so it's growing, and that's you know, if, if I don't think if it was for that conference and that messaging, um, that I would even feel comfortable like today, a year later, like talking about this publicly. And so it's something I've kept under wraps for a long time. But honestly, it's like at this point in the world, like we need all the tools that we can to yeah. heal ourselves and to to transcend. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's it can be a. I think that transcending and I think doing this work is important and you need to be around, you know, folks that understand you, folks that aren't, you know, I feel like, I don't know how to even explain this, but like through like connecting to psychedelics, I've been able to like notice like signs and like people like, oh, this person's giving me a vibration of this. This person's giving me, uh, I don't know, a feeling of this. And like, sometimes it's really hard because, you know, there are people that are, they're just like they're advanced at what they're doing that's all i can say like they know what they're doing and like they're doing this on purpose and they're like here to like bring harm to you but like honestly most people don't know that they're like you know doing things to like hurt you like i don't even explain like we are just kind of like subconsciously walking around traumatizing each other until we like have that mindfulness to have that awareness that like hey like we can talk to each other and figure out like what words that we say that hurt each other's feelings and maybe not say them anymore and create a better relationship between each other. Or like, Hey, like maybe like, you know, learning more about what this person likes to do and like who they are and like taking that into consideration versus just like what this person has to offer you only, you know, and just taking that. And mm. so I think that, you know, it, these, these medicines also help us to just see deeper than the ego, you know, and that's what's really important in healing, you know, detaching from the ego and just allowing yourself to connect more to spirit. And mm-hmm. Lord, if black folks don't need to hear that is, you know, queer and trans folks. Yeah. that that message. I don't see it as often as I think I need it, you know? And so, mm-hmm. but you know, gotta yeah. do what doesn't exist yet. So yeah, here we go. Here we are. It's um, it's definitely you know, like I think that there is a definitely an importance and a beauty in like expressing yourself and going out there and being your beautiful self for sure. But like, don't get too attached to it, or like, you know, like, like just just know that like it's temporary. Just like the the feelings mm-hmm. that you have, and just know that like one day, like things are going to change and you're going to be in a right. different form. Everything changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the, but like, just know that you, the change is a rebirth. Okay. And just don't mm-hmm. try not to fear that rebirth. Know that, you know, each rebirth is a level up and you're, you're, you're leveling up and it's really though up to you to jump into that change with the heart of fear or jump into that change with the heart of love. Hmm. That is beautiful. You're beautiful. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. But um yeah, I just think that we have so much fear. Like even sometimes when I'm doing psychedelics, like before I do them, there's a lot of fear that will happen. But I think that for folks all right, so these are here's a few things that I personally learned. If you want to hear from a black person from black folks that have experience with psychedelics don't all right first thing turn off your phone can disconnect from that you want to be in a space where you have a lot of you know you have a lot of free reign but also you can be in a private space if it's your first time so maybe like a house a whole house that you have access to with the backyard or something you know like that could be a nice setting to start if you're around you know people that are experienced then maybe go to a place outside of your home after coronavirus, um, you know, and all of these things have ended, um, and you want to be outside. And I think that, um, I think that being outside though, you know, there are going to be, just know that there are going to be like different things that play outside. There's 
inside you can kind of I've learned control your environment a bit more which is mm-hmm. an illusion but literally like, like the temperature the music you're mm-hmm. listening to all of that all of that matters and so if you can have some control of that is helpful yes it is because if you're out there and like you're having a bad experience and then you know this Beyonce twerk song comes on and you're not feeling Beyonce at that moment and you're pissed off about her shaking her ass better than you can like it's weird how psychedelics work <laughs> but like all that ego shit just comes to the surface and you're like why am I angry about this right now like what the yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the, magn- the magnifier is large. <laughs> yeah, and like you're gonna learn just so many things about how to control your emotions if your emotions need that. You know, like the things that need to be addressed will be addressed. You know, like even in like oh something really important happened, and I know I'm giving people a list, but with me and my partner, you know, we were on psychedelics and we were having an argument, and for the first time, you know, like my partner like stayed and we talked about like what what was going on i was just like you never like tell me what's going on you go home and you're like weird and like you know i don't know how you're feeling and i'm just like weird for like a whole day until i see you again or whatever you know and it's just like ah so he finally stayed and we talked and like there was some work that was done that i'm not going to get too deep into you know like where there was just like mm-hmm. oh, work. there was some work that needed to be done and you know it's not my story to tell but I think that um at least the work part but I think that you know just seeing like whoa like this like the sec- like the mush the the psilocybin really helped him because he has depression too he has selective I think he has selective mutism at times with that, like, depression, like, where, like, you know, I just don't, mm-hmm. I just don't, I can't speak right now, because, like, I'm just, like, what just happened, I just feel like, like, I just feel like such a shitty person, and, like, everything I do is shitty, and I'm like, no, babe, it's not that, like, let's talk about it, you know, like, and then I can, like, tell him, like, hey, like, these are the things that, like, I'm doing that might be making you feel this way, so let me stop doing them, and, you know, and, like, we just, like, that night, it was just, there was a whole shift. There was healing. We, like, did yoga together after that, and it was, like, the cutest little thing. And I'm not going to say every experience that, like, like every experience on psychedelics is going to be this way, but just know that if you allow your heart to open, and if you are with people that you need to be with, and if you are in an, a healing mindset, so make sure you have good intentions when you're doing these things, you know, like, don't, don't be just like, I'm going to do these because they're fun. Like, do it also because you want to connect more to yourself, you know? Like, have have just a little... Have a tiny intention of, like, working on yourself, and then you'll see the fun that comes from that. And I, I think that mm. there is a lot of fun that comes from just connecting to you and seeing, like, oh, this feels There good. is so much fun that can be had with it. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I definitely cry on psychedelics. Like, don't, I ain't trying to fool nobody. <laughs> but there's so many moments of joy and, like, realization and, like, just creative burst and laughter and just, you know, it's, yeah, there's so many of those moments in these experiences. And so, um, that's the benefit of it. It isn't all just like darkly processing and crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a lot. it's a lot. It's a, it's a range of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to know, like, what would you recommend for maybe a beginner, like their first, their first um, psychedelic to maybe dabble into, whether it's MDMA um, or maybe um, psilocybin? I, I think I would, yeah, I think I would recommend a small dose of mushroom mm-hmm. in like, just laying in your bed, listening to some really chill music that doesn't have any lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it does have lyrics, it reminds you of something so pleasant and so warm and so free, you know. But just really try to cultivate a space for yourself that is like a nest. And you can just be as comfortable as you want to, snuck up to some pillows, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, the dosage of that, it really depends on your body. Um, mm-hmm. Anywhere from, I think, one to three grams. And, again, it depends on, like, your height, your weight. It, well, if you've never done it before, then I don't know that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it just depends. So, like, for, um, for instance, what I just recommended to my friend who's never done it before and wanted to try, like, a really low dose 
who maybe like weighs 180, um, I recommended them like one gram just mm-hmm. to try it, just to see how it feels in your body before like fully, fully tripping, you know? Yeah. So I would say give yourself some space to experiment with it too. Um, and just, you know, treat it as a, as a ritual, as a ceremony, as like a, a spiritual experience. Um, because your intention really does matter in the how the trip goes for you. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I second that. I think that mushrooms are a great introductory, and I think that they're a lifelong friend. I think that, you know, out of all of the psychedelics I've tried, you know, they're, like, the most true. Like, you know, they're they're safe. And I think that, you know, sometimes with acid you can get, like, you can get things sometimes, so you, so you need to just know your sources. Please know your sources, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure you know where you're getting your stuff from. You know, test kits are actually a thing, you know. And Yes, they are. You can order test kits online fairly easily. I have, like, three. <laughs> yeah, you can get a test kit. You can, so, like, if you're going to be, just be responsible if you're going to be a psychonaut, you know. Um, yeah, so, we I need, love that term. <laughs> <laughs> we need more queer, trans, POC, psychonauts. So we're, re- we're recruiting you. We're calling out to you. So, you yeah. know, and if anyone has any stories or if anyone wants to get on the podcast, maybe that's what season three could be about, huh? We could talk about psychedelics. That'd be cool. Ooh, I'll have you come back on. We could start it off with you. <laughs> oh, I would love to. You're, this has been such a fun, um, fun experience to talk about this stuff and reflect on this, and with you. Oh, thank you. It's yeah, it's been great to connect with you and you know learn more about you. I know that we lived in the same city for a while, but we're both we were both just so busy, kind of doing the work that we do and sharing, shedding that light, you know. And mm-hmm. it's nice that mm-hmm. we. Even though through all of this, and I hope that you're staying well and, you know, as well as we can. Um, But I hope that, you know, during all this, we just start to see that this is just also a way to just connect more to ourselves. And, you know, just 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 a way to like we don't we don't have to worry all the time about the outside world. Like take some time for yourself, Um, but just have that balance and, you know, know that the work that you're doing every day wearing that face mask, whatever it is, you know, that's helping to just collectively shift and, you know, save lives. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you so much for this. Thank you. I knew I needed this, but damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, you know, when we, before we started the podcast, Rebecca was like, so yeah, what got you, or did you ask during the podcast? I don't remember. But either way, you know, it was just kind of like, hey, like, it's really important to just get our stories out there. And, you know, also it's important for us to just have that spotlight and feel the importance of the work that we're doing in the world, no matter how big or how small. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thank you for your work. I, I want to know, are there any plugins or things that folks can reach out to to donate to you or to find you or... How can we support um, you and the work you do? Yeah. And, yeah. What, uh, what's the best thing to connect y'all to? Um, I would think this hit me on Instagram. I'm at campaign underscore mama. Um, there, I just post all of the justice happenings um social movement work that's going on in my neck of the woods um, that's happened in the South. My purview really is like the South. Um, and so for folks in the Midwest, West Coast, North and all that, love y'all, but maybe <laughs> this content isn't for you. Minus like the whole psychedelic therapy. Uh, that is for wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the justice work, um, you can definitely follow up with songs. Southerners on New Ground on Insta. We're at Ignite Kindred, or you just go to www.southernersonnewground.org. Um, yeah, get connected with like healing justice, with language justice, with arts and culture, with um, the work of grassroots fundraising, and largely the work of. Um, abolition and so that's why I stick around 
don't think Jill's and Freelance are good places for nobody. Speaking of trauma, who that's a whole other episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again for coming on and, you know, sharing your light and I really hope to, you know, catch up with you again soon and you know, I'm gonna continue to watch the work that you do and I'll make sure I plug song um into you know, I'll make sure that people can find out um, how to connect with song after we post this, all right? Mm, yes, please do. I appreciate it. All right, love. Well, I hope you have a great night. <laughs> thank you. Peace to you. Peace to everyone. And thank you all so much for tuning in to QTPOC Talks. Uh, this is your host, Al Rare, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>